Because in my head, I'm saying to myself, you're going to snap hook this. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another part train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I've got my partner in crime, our other co-host, Matt Cermak, here with me. What's up, Ev? We just had one hell of a mental game roundtable with your buddy, Joey Bomarito. I think this one's going to help a lot of people. But before we get to that episode, in case you guys are new, uh, first of all, thank you. Welcome aboard the train. Our mission on the part train is to help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course. And we believe that if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can essentially smile through anything. Trust me, I've lived it. We (laughs) interview PJ Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, mental coaches, everyday golfers like you and me, and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you get out of your own way, shoot your lowest scores ever, and enjoy the ride. Sir, we're just making the mental game more relatable. That's what we're doing. Right, more accessible. Quick word from our friends at Roback. Roback Performance, apparel, activewear, whatever you want to call it. Guys, we talked about this last week, but I don't know about you, Serm. When the holidays and Black Friday come about, I feel like I never know what to get. I never know what to ask people to get me. And I think activewear is probably one of the best things to either give as gifts or receive because the versatility. So many of us are still working from home, but at the same time, you want something that's comfortable enough that you can wear on the couch, but also wear at a happy hour event or the golf course. And Roback does it all. It's a safe play. Out of sight, out of mind. And it's I'm chilly. So you got to layer up. <sighs> it's all I do, Ev. I know you layer too. You know, it's different kind of layering, you know. Yeah. But it's 40 and rainy here today in Chicago. Yikes. Got my Q-zip, got my vest over there. Yikes, it's 80 here Great. in Marina Del Rey. Put on one of my hats, put my trucker hat, trucker hat on, Crave Activity. Yeah, no, it's time. I mean, I, they're gonna, there's going to be some big sales, big pushes from Roback with the holidays, and guys, go get it. Yeah, so guys, here's what you got to do. Um, this is a perfect time of year to get a hoodie. It's four-way stretch, super soft material hoodies. Seriously, like people that get these hoodies, I have five of them. <laughs> but people oh. that get these hoodies, it's their favorite thing. The first thing that they wear out of the wash, it's the thing they wear on planes. Like that's how you know it's good, right? Those two markers. You travel with it and you wear it first out of the wash. And that's what these hoodies, Q-zips, and polos are. So go to our show notes of this episode. Just tap the episode. It'll pop up the notes in the description. At the bottom of the description, there'll be a link. It'll say, get 15% off your first rollback order. You tap that link. No need to enter a promo code. That discount will be auto-applied in your cart. And if you forget where that is, or you're scrolling Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok, just tap our link in the bio at the par train. Give us a follow if you're there and you don't follow us already. I don't know what you're doing, but give us it's a follow. It's really easy, guys. Just do it. And you'll always find this link in our bio at the par train on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Wake so, up, get some rowback. Get some rowback, guys. Get it for a gift or give it as a gift. I'm Come telling on, you, the, it won't. Get in the game. You won't be disappointed. Okay. Uh, Joey Bomarito is one of your friends in Chicago. Uh, he's been as low as a, I think he said eight or nine handicap. He's now about a 13. And, uh, you know, sir, we know the purpose of this show is to make the mental game more accessible and relatable for the average player, right? Not everybody thinks that they need the mental game or want to buy a book from a sports psychologist. Like we're one of them. 
right? And this this is why this format of mental game roundtables is so popular, I think, is because it's someone just like them coming on the show, unpacking their game, talking about their struggles, but also their triumphs. And Joey used to snap clubs. Joey was really frustrated out there, not enjoying the game. And listening to this episode, you really gain little nuggets of what he's changed to now be playing some of the best golf of his life and enjoying himself again. Yeah. No, it's a, it was great to have Joey on the show. He's been such a big fan and supporter. But look, he's not the only one who snapped clubs and screamed at himself and wanted to you know, quit the sport. This is, this is the story of this game, right? Because it's so freaking hard. Um, but yeah, talk about a great episode for him to kind of just walk us through that journey. It's like he's two different people, right? Yeah. And um, Joe and I have, have had a ton of fun playing together. And we got a great crew of guys that we play with. Um, and he, yeah, he's a totally different, he's just, he's just happier. And he, you guys are going to love this episode because he really kind of breaks it down how he kind of, you know, plans, you know, his strategy on the golf course, how he handles his emotions, some techniques he uses, um, he's on the tee box after a bad hole. And this is it. This is what, this is it. This is what it's about, right? Aspiring golfer, you know, trying to improve, but you've got to, sometimes you've got to realize that it starts with your head, not so much your swing. Yeah. I mean, that's really all he's changed, right? I mean, he's a 13 handicap and he talks about how he shot a 75. I mean, right. so listen in to hear how he did that and what kind of led to that. I'll just say this, sir, before we get you guys to this episode, I will say uh, this was really humbling for me. I know it was for you too, because you yeah. know, you've known Joey now for a few years and the amount of praise that he's given this show and the amount that it's impacted his life, not just on the golf course, but at work. Like that's why we have this show. That's why I love it so much is to help people. And uh, to hear how much it's impacted his life is really humbling and exciting. So I thank Joey for all the support. Yeah. Glad that we're making a difference. And uh, I hope that it makes a difference for you guys too. Absolutely. If we have made a difference, Guys, before we get to this episode, leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. We want other people to be inspired by your story. Leave us a follow. Give us a follow at The Par Train on the social ch channels, the social medias. Maybe a tweet. Maybe tweet at us. Send us a DM. We love getting your messages. And uh, no matter how you're hitting it, I don't care if you just snapped a club. What do they got to do, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care. Joey. Bomarito. This is exciting to say because I know you're a loyal listener. Welcome aboard the Partrain. Thank you very much, guys. Looking forward to it. Been listening uh, to a lot of episodes here lately since I was introduced by Matt and looking forward to being on. Before I kick <laughs> it to Serm, real quick, Serm. I know Serm's right. chomping at the bit. Right. I want to give people a little context of Mental Game Roundtable. Good idea. This is one of our most popular formats. It's been a little while since we've done one, um, but it's people just like us, right? Av quote, average Joes, average golfers, and we dig into your game, your physical game, your mental game, strides you've made, struggles you have. And so we're excited to dig in, understand more about who you are. So hopefully the average Joe listening can get some nuggets that could help them as well. Now, Cermak, you guys know each other. You've played a lot of golf yep. together, so I'm going to kick it to Cermak. You can give people some context, Cermak, on, on Joey. 
Yeah, it's a big warm welcome to Joey Bomarito to the show. Joey and I, you know, we've become friends the last couple of years. Um, and we've played a lot of golf together. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. We've got a great group of guys we play with, you know, and uh it's uh it's been great for Joey to, you know, when he started listening to the part train, we really started diving deeper into Joey's game and you know his journey. So Joe, now that you're here with us today, you know, and for everybody, we're in Chicago. Joey's originally from Detroit, but we're Chicago guys. Um, Joey, we want you to just kind of open up and, and talk about your background a little bit and when you started playing, um, you know, what your game was like at a certain time, what it is like now, and just really you're all, all around your journey and, you know, and where you're going. Absolutely. So i uh, always been involved in the game of golf. I mean, uh, growing up, my dad would always take me onto the course from the age of three after when he got off of work, bring me out there, send the cart with him, just watch him play. He would play by himself. And uh, so that's pretty much how I was introduced is through my, my father and my grandfather. But I started really playing seriously around the age of 17 when I was uh, getting done playing baseball. Always messed up my swing. So family never let me play golf same. and baseball at the same time. Same. And uh, once I gave that up, I, uh, I love the competition. So sure. need needed something I can keep, keep playing because Sir Matt keeps beating me in squash. Can't get, uh, can't get a hold of him there. Close, gave, close gave, matches though. Gave, gave you a good match the other day though. It was close. <laughs> We're probably uh, not going to so, beat him in golf either, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we team up together and we take down, yeah, yeah, yeah. we take down Kent and Kevin, you know, that's what we do, you know? And it was a good lunch that we had provided by them as well. Yep. Um, but that's, that's where I'm at right now. I played uh, when I was back in Detroit. I was in two different leagues. I was playing three, four times a week. Moved out to Chicago just uh, just about four years ago and really didn't get back into the game of golf until last summer. Um, this summer, I played more than, more than I ever have, I would say. And there's a lot of things in my game that need working on. I'll say that. Hmm. But the biggest thing was mentally. I mean, I would collapse out there on a golf course, throw clubs, snap clubs, uh, not, not my proudest moments, but, uh, that's why, that's why I love these mental game round tables for sure. Joe. So tell the listeners what your handicap is now. And I think, you know, your handicap was different when you were living in Detroit. So talk about that a little bit where your game's at or where it's been. Yeah. So right now I'm at a 13.1. Uh, back in Detroit, it was probably closer to an eight, nine. So I was a single digit handicap. Um, but I always, always struggled mentally on the golf course. I mean, I'd have a blow up hole every single round. Um, I'm not talking a double bogey. I'm talking triple, quadruple bogey every round that would just destroy me. I'd go out there, shoot a 44 and on the back nine, I would shoot a 50. Um, so it's, it's stuff like that, that would just deter me from actually enjoying the game of golf. Um, but and to be from, clear, Joey, is that when the, the club snaps would happen oh, is a blow up? That, yeah. Yeah. Uh, n- not on the blow up hole. It'd be right after that. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I go, I go triple, double, double, and then it's time for the six iron to get snapped. Yeah. How many six irons have you gone? It's got to go. <laughs> Uh, just, just one, okay. uh, 56 degrees gone a little bit of punishment as well. <laughs> so uh, the reason I asked this, nope. it's very important. Um, it's funny, but it's also important because, uh, 
knowing what moments make you either want to snap a club or actually snap it tells us and you what you care about the most and what you want to fix the most, right? Everyone has that shot. Serm is the miss left. I'm mm-hmm. the miss right. Joey, you're more blow up holes. We can get into if there's specific shots there. Um, mm-hmm. But that's important. As we go through this a little bit more, I'll, I think I'll reference back to this point. Um, but I just wanted to give contest. That's why I'm asking. Let's start with, um, we talked off air that you've improved a lot. Let's talk first about the strides you've made, what used to be challenging for you, what's now easier. We'll get into that, and then we'll, we'll go more into your current struggles. Biggest strides is after having those doubles and triples, bouncing back. Hmm. Uh, I know you guys have had a lot of episodes on that. I mean, one of the mental game roundtables was bouncing back after a blow-up hmm. hole. Yeah. And it's, it's just the way I approach the game now. I don't get, don't get too upset when I double or triple because now I stand over a drive. If I snap hook it to the left, that's my miss right now. Um, I'm not saying, God damn it, Joey, what, what the hell was that? I'm saying, why did you hit that shot? What did I do wrong? What can I improve on on the next hole? So I'm reflecting on my shots as they're happening instead of just getting very pissed off. And I used to get extremely mad about my putting as well. And uh, Dr. Joe Parent really said something in that uh, the workshop, the little uh, workshop that we did. Yeah. Um, and and there has been putts that I've hit, and I thought I was reading it right, and I hit the putt I wanted, and I would just be so upset with myself on my putting stroke and Mm. the stroke was perfect. I did exactly what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I just didn't read that the green was going to break. I didn't stand on this side of the green and actually see what was happening. Um, And now I can take that into the next hole. I'm not mad about it. I'm disappointed to a certain extent, but I'm not angry that, wow, I misread that so bad. No, I did exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah, I just yeah. left a couple of details out that I need to, to look at on the next hole. Yeah, Joe, one thing I noticed about you when we played in October at Harborside and Evans played Harborside, he knows how windy it is out there. That one round of the windiest rounds to... I've ever played. It was like <laughs> literally almost a tornado, like 40 plus miles an hour. We had to stop after 10 holes. My brother's bachelor party, but keep going. Wow. Yeah, yeah had to stop. Couldn't, couldn't finish. Um, yeah, couldn't finish. But uh, that's tough. But anyways. Um, that round in October compared to maybe when we played in May or, you know, you were kind of a different guy out there and a great example. Cause we were, you know, we were on the same team. We were riding the cart together. Like you said, you may, you missed hit a drive, maybe hit it left, maybe hit another fairway, another bunker. And you said, all right, let's figure out this next shot. If I make a bogey on this hole, not going to kill me where in the past you just definitely let out a screen, maybe a, a club throw. and then really pressing on that second shot. And I just, uh, t- I want you to talk about that because uh, totally different guy out there. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was great to see. Absolutely. So I actually shot better in May than I did in October, but the way I enjoyed the round was night and day difference. I shot an 82 in, in May when we played and I shot an 84. Should have been an 82. We'll get into that <laughs> later. 
But um, I, when I would, when I would hit a shot into the sand, snap hook left into the sand. Now I'm thinking, all right, I'm 220 yards out. I have to hit this green. Have to. Now I say, I have to play for bogey. I'm fine playing with yeah. for bogey. Now I'm trying to avoid a double or a triple. So yeah. the, the way I approach every shot and every hole is night and day difference from, from a mental aspect of the game. I mean, yeah, there, there's sometimes like yesterday I was playing and went for a few shots that I probably shouldn't have, but I was fine with it. I never got extremely upset. I never said like, I have to get this on the green. I hit a few shots that were not the smartest play, but I'm, I'm looking at the risk and reward of each shot. Hmm. Um, and you felt like you're at least committed to doing it. Yes. That that's my biggest thing right now is committing to shots. Mm-hmm. Absolutely committing to them. And when I don't commit to them is usually when I have an error of some sort, but if I commit to, to, to five, five iron, 230 yards out and I hit it well and I missed the green, I'm fine with it because I committed to it. This is really important. Uh, first, you talked about how you leaned into learning instead of judgment, right? Where previously, reflecting back what you said, you okay. would get upset at yourself, call yourself an idiot, like so many of us do. I can't believe I a made the mistake. Yeah. <laughs> what, you can't believe you made the mistake, <laughs> right? Snap hook, least favorite shot. Then you're like, okay, what, what was that? right? Was that a tempo thing? Was I not committed? Or was it just a fluke, a bad swing and move on, right? The other thing that I think is really important that we haven't talked about a ton on this show, Matt, that I want to get into is I have to. Mm. There is, to me, maybe we should do a post on this today, but to me, that might be the worst thing you can say to yourself on the golf course because that is something that happened a lot in the member guest, Serm, that we've talked about. Yeah. Is have to make par here. Well, have to hit the green here. Have to get up, it on this part of the green. I got caught up in this too when we had Dr. Joe Perrin on. Remember? Yes. I was talking about laying have up on to get it to this five, yard. I've got to be 100 to 110. I have to. He goes, What? You have to? Right? So <laughs> <laughs> it's a problem I deal with too. Yeah. yeah. But, but Joey, even your, even your point about the snap hook in a bunker. 220 to the green. I have to hit this green. And now you're playing for bogey. You didn't say, yeah, you might be playing for bogey. You could still make par by punching out. You could still get up and down, stick it, or make a 12 footer, 20 footer. You can make a 30 footer. You never know. I've made birdies from the trees. I've made bogeys from the fairway, right? We've talked about that many times. So I think this notion of I have to is so funny because. We don't have to do anything, right? Like when you, when you go to a course like Harborside, we'll use Harborside in Chicago as an example, have to hit the fairway. I mean, it's a fact, right? Like I'm not going to deny that it's important. It's high grass, it's crazy windy. And it's one of those courses that honestly, I don't like playing because to me, golf shouldn't be miss a fairway, lose a ball. Um, I want to like recover. To me, that's what the game is. But when you're playing a 40 mile per hour wind, if you don't hit it on the screws, that wind was taken in this high grass, you're losing like 10 balls, right? So then rewinding back to a thought, I might say, that then creates an energy and a tension 
and impacts my whole game is I have to hit the fairway here. Well, again, you might think that's true, but what I like to say to people is, but is that helpful? You might think it's true, but is it helpful? And in this case, most of the time it's not, because then what does that translate for your swing, right? Tension. Joey, as somebody who's kind of battled a temper a little bit, which is a lot of, which is a lot of players out there. And even if you don't think you had a problem, we've all had a moment, but this is, but this is so important, right? Because you just talked about it creates tension when you've kind of always been on the tension side. So talk about a breakthrough for, for you and where you're going with your game. Matt, I mean, you were there, you witnessed it. It's at Harborside. We're, we're playing and I was, I, I didn't have everything that day, but I was hitting a lot of good shots. My putting was very off, and that's something I'm, I'm working on. Yep. Um, that, was, that led to the most amount of tension in my round, and I was very disappointed with that. But my shots were, my shots were well. My recovery shots were great. Um, never, never got out of, out of line with, with any of my thoughts or anything. Always said, I, I would look at Matt in the card and drive up there. I was like, ah, I left this one short of the green on a par three, but should have clubbed up, wasn't really paying attention to, to the wind that was going on. Or I, I hit a great shot, left it short. Just, just one factor that I had to, to take into mind. And golf is a game of misses. I mean, if I, was, if I was out there hitting every shot the way I wanted to, hate to say it, guys, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd be out there practicing for the PGA tour right now. Yeah. Well, yeah. And another thing I think we talked even about, even they don't, you really started. <laughs> <laughs> and for a course like Harborside, right. There's no trees out there. So if you, if you hit, have a big miss off the tee, you might go into another fairway or another bunker. You'll have a shot, but you're going to have a blind shot, right? Because you're going to go over these like mogul Hills. And then mm-hmm. you might be 150, 60 yards out, but you can't see the green. And oftentimes, wait, I got his eight iron in my hand. Maybe a pitching wedge for Joey with the way he hits it. But it's like, if you can't see your target, there's chances you might do something really bad because you just don't know where you're going. But what we talked about, all right, let's just try to get in just front of the green. You know what I mean? Just get yeah. it out in the fairway. And you got up and down for a par a couple of times when you were just, but you had the attitude of like, you know what? This could be probably a bogey hole, but I don't have to do anything. And then you play a smart shot next. Well, I, I think it was probably on 12 or 13. It's a par four. I, uh, I was aiming right, hit the ball straight. Now I'm in the fairway on the other, on the other hole. And I'm probably 130, 140 yard shot approach wedge for me. And I look at Matt, the green, all on the right-hand side of the green bunkers, uh, very tight green. And to the left, it's, it's fairway. And I looked at him and I said, my miss is left. If I miss this, I wanted to miss left. And I missed it left. Put it right short of the green, chipped up, and made the 12 foot putt for par. Yeah. And yep. that's that's one thing that I'm I've taken into consideration is where do I want to miss it? Bringing up Dr. Joe Perrin again, talking about risk and everything. If I were to go right at the pin and miss it, I might have been in the bunker. I might have gone, but I said, hey. If I'm going to miss this, if I don't hit it straight and I pull it a little bit, I'm going to miss it left. I'm still going to give myself an opportunity for, 
for an up and down par at worst up and two putt for a bogey. Right. Yeah. Those are the conversations I have with Matt, with myself while I'm out on the golf course. Now compared to before I would have said, I need to go at this pen. Might've ended yeah. up in the bunker, might've chunked the shot still in the bunker. Now I'm, now I'm really upset. So let me compare these two states of playing that you just described. One is the half two, right? So you're right. You're trying to hit the green. You blocked it. So you think you try and have to hit the green. It's your approach shot. Like, why wouldn't you not? You have a wedge. Like, I have to hit the green, right? That is more of a place of, like, fear, you know, avoidance. And you're not really vocalizing your strategy and what you're trying to do, right? You're not really accepting that a bad outcome could happen because you're hanging on to what you have to do. You're hanging on to the good, right? The pressure of you can't miss, right? That's the first option you described. What you actually did is you acknowledged that I know golf is, I know I could miss here. That's a fact. It, that's what the game is. It's literally a game of recovery. It's literally, there are things designed in front of us. That's what it is. And Tiger hit it all over the map. And he's the greatest iron player of all time, right? Well, um, if you don't mind me bringing up your, your Instagram post uh, last week, you showed 20% of the time he missed the green from, what was it, 100 yards out, 120 yards out? Yeah. And still found ways to get up and down for par, make make the chip. I mean, yeah. not going to say I'm going to make every chip, but giving myself a, chance, myself a chance is the chance, biggest yeah. thing right now. So think about the difference in how you probably felt over the shot with Cermak, taking a line where you knew that if you miss it, your most common miss, you're me fine, yeah. right? You probably stood, even though you missed it. You probably were more committed over that shot than trying to hit it over a blind area, trying to hit a green, tight pin, bunkers all over the place, and you were totally fine with that miss. There was no club throw. There was no nothing because you played for that, not saying that you wanted to miss it, but that was okay with you, and then you got up and down for par. I think that energy of just being okay with whatever happens around you and kind of take that as a part of the game, you were able to get up and down for par. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I didn't have to be on the green and regulation in order to par that hole. Yeah. Well, Joe, you know, you think vocalization helps you? You know, we talk a lot, a lot about vocalization on this show. I always felt like as a kid, when I'd be playing with my coach on the course and he'd be like, all right, well, what's the plan? What are we doing? And I talk about, you know, club, feel, move. And, you know, I always thought it was, I always play well. But like you and I are on a team and we're talking it through, you know, and you can't always do that, right? Because maybe sometimes you're just playing individually, but talking to yourself, I, I think there's a power to that. But curious, you know, for somebody at your level, you know, what it's done for you. I mean, I stand over a drive and I'll start talking to myself. Or, I mean, you know this the biggest. What do you I say? will. I will take, I'll take a swing and in the middle of the swing, I'll back off, stop it right <laughs> at the top. And I will back off and say, stop it. Don't say that. Cause yeah. in my head, I'm saying to myself, you're going to snap hook this. Right. 
So then, okay. Yeah. You're getting better. You've gotten so much better that you backed off. And then like, okay, when you do that back off, what, what are you saying to yourself to get yourself in the right mood? I just say, look at the, look at the fairway, look at the fairway. All right. We're, and I'm saying if I, if I draw it and I miss it, am I okay missing it there? Or do I, or should I aim a little bit more right? Or I'm saying little things like that to myself and then I'll re I'll redo my whole routine. Yep. That's one thing that Matt and I have worked on is having a routine with every shot. I draw a line behind the ball of where I want it to go. I line myself up to it, take a deep breath, ground myself into the shot, have a good thought. All right. Just, just take it back or on the follow through, keep my hands out in front of me. And that's I'll just do your, it. Yeah. That's kind of your physical feel. Have you talk a lot about that? Having a key. I was just going to say, I mean, I think this is a great lesson for people because I think it's great that you step off the ball. Um, and, and you can ask, you can ask anyone I golf with. I do it two, three, four times around. Yeah. I, I will take a backswing and then step off. I'll look at the guys. Hey, sorry. <laughs> and I'll just, or I'll say, stop saying that to yourself. Don't think that way. Commit to the shot. And I'll go stand over it again, redo my whole routine. And that has helped me, especially grounding myself into the shot as far as taking that deep breath. Even on putts, mm-hmm. it, it's huge for me. It That's makes helpful. me feel so much better. Yeah, it releases Ooh. tension. The, oh. the, the breath, go ahead, Ev. Yeah, so real quick, I mean, I think a lot of people struggle with this, right? We know that your snap hook's your, your least favorite shot, right? So it's normal to want to prevent that. Our ego hates when we're embarrassed. So, and there's arguably nothing worse than a snap hook, depending on, you know, your game and your experiences. But um, a lot of people might play with don't snap it, don't snap it, don't snap it. We know they do. But then if you're, I'd love for you to lean into the physical key even more, right? And we talked about this in the workshop, because if your thought is don't snap hook it, don't snap hook it step off. That's great. Get into your routine. Okay. Focus on the fairway. If you're still trying to avoid the snap hook, even though you told yourself focus on the fairway, there could still be a lot of tension and avoidance in there. But if through practice and repetition, Joey, we realize that, okay, when you swing 80% or when you focus on tempo, you don't snap hook it, right? A lot of times snap hooking comes from getting really quick at the top, quick in transition. I've dealt with it too. So like that's something that you know, okay, well, as long as I focus on my tempo here, as long as I swing 80%, I don't have to worry about the snap hook. Right now, you might focus on tempo and then swing hard again. And then what do you do? Like you said earlier, you get off that tee, you say, okay, what did I do there? Mm, I told myself to swing easy, but I swung hard. And that's what I know leads to my snap hook. So the next time I'm going to focus even harder on my tempo. Now you've got a physical cue to focus all of your energy in instead of what not to do with your miss. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And and what I'll say is I played, I played well that round. Um, As I said, my, my putter wasn't the greatest for me that day, but 16, I gave myself a five-foot birdie chance. I missed it. 17, 
was on the green in regulation, three putt it, terrible three putt. 18 par five, gave myself a four foot birdie chance. I missed it. And I was pretty disappointed with that, obviously. And uh, Matt and I sat in the clubhouse afterwards, getting our free lunch from from the people we were playing against. Thanks, Ken. Kevin Thanks, and Ken. Kevin, you guys are great. Beer Absolutely. Good too. I think it was a seltzer, maybe. I keep going. <laughs> and uh, Matt looks at me and says, you're right there. You're right there. And that type of reinforcement, I even told him, that type of reinforcement, I've never... I've never looked at myself after a round and said, you're right there. I'm, I would have been thinking about that 16 and 18 hole and how I missed those short putts. But he says, you're right there. And uh, with that, I actually left that evening to go to Detroit. That was on a Wednesday. This is go where I was Detroit. going next. Keep it going. This is where I was going next. I go out. I actually bought a duplicate set to what I have in Chicago. I didn't bring my clubs with me. Bought the exact same set of golf clubs and uh, I love that. went out there. Have a little competition. I, as I said, I love competition out there. So golfing with uh, one, of my, one of my buddies, Anthony Piccarelli, and my little cousin, Joey Camarata. And Joey and I play a match play style match against each other. And Anthony, been golfing a lot. Haven't really golfed with him in the past three years, but told me how much better he's playing. He says, no, I want to play you in stroke play. Absolutely. First hole I par. Next hole, my father calls me. And I'm, I'm about to stand over my shot, and he's on the phone with them. I hit my drive probably 10 feet in front of me. Top end. Oh right oh down, 10 feet. Grab my five iron. Still on the... Still on the... T-box. The T box. I topped the five iron. Oh, geez. Walk over to it, hit the five iron out of bounds. Oh, God. So three in, four out, hitting five, chip it up, two putt for a seven. And Joey and Tony were just laughing. Laughing. That the fact that. taking it to you on the first hole? Uh, second hole. Second, second hole. hole. They're, they're sitting there laughing because they, they've golfed with me in the past and they know he's, he's done. He's over. Mentally gone. And I shook it off. I bogey the next hole. I go up to a little par three. I triple it. Put it in these. Put it short into the sand. Bad chip out. Have to hit it again. Chip up. And a uh, two putt for a six. And now I got the scorecard here in front of me. Tony's up. <laughs> Four strokes on me, and Joey's up one hole on me. And they're, they're looking at each other. They're laughing. And Tony looks at me and says, I'm, I'm beating you by four strokes. I said, yeah, I, I know. I know that. I can see the scorecard. He says, are you, are you worried? Are you nervous? I said, no, we still, got, we still have 14 holes left. Everything's fine. Didn't even play well the next, the next five holes. Shoot a 48. He's up. He's up three strokes on me going into eight. I, uh, I part the part. That's got to make you feel good, by the way. Only up three after probably one of the worst nines you could imagine. The worst starts. Like that's three strokes is nothing. 
And I par the par three. And the whole time, him and my little cousin, Joey, are laughing to each other. They, they know I'm not going to bounce back. Because before, I would shot a 48, 52. It's your history, right? Without a doubt. And that's what they, that's, that's what they know. But they don't know I've been listening to you guys. And until again, I got them into it after. Joey, that would be an, another example of it might have been true to you to have been pissed and that you're playing bad. But is it helpful? No. Right. No. And those moments when they were laughing at you could have been a great opportunity for you to join in. Right. And have some fun with it yourself. But I digress. Keep going. And I, I par the par three eight. He double bogeys it. And now we're at, I have one stroke, uh, one stroke lost to him. And I look at him and I just smiled. He says, what are you smiling about? I'm still in the lead. I said, okay, sounds good. At that point, I went up one, one hole on my little cousin. And the back nine is where everything changes. The back nine is where I settled in, really focused on how I was playing at Harborside. Mm -hmm. And I opened up birdie. Birdie par bogey bogey, one over after the first four. Bogey six. Standing into hole number nine, I've killed them now. The match is already over with Joey, and I got Tony by six strokes after the fourth hole on the backside after 13. And now I'm standing on hole number nine, knowing I'm two over. And I said, par five, I can eagle this hole for even par. Said that to myself, right? As soon as I'm standing over the drive, backed off like I usually do. I said, nope, you're playing for par. You're playing for par. I've birdied it many times before. I said, don't even think about that. Go out there and you're, gonna, you're just going to par this hole for two over. Hit, hit a good drive, hit a great second shot chip it up to around 25, 30 feet, not the best chip, make the, make the birdie putt for one over. <laughs> best, best nine I've ever shot. Hmm. So I was able to turn a 48 into a 37 on the back and 11 stroke difference. I was very happy about that. And I knew my score the whole time and it never got into my head. I, I would, I said to myself, you're look for par. And so after the fact, yeah. after I beat both of them, Tony and I said, let's play another nine. It's a three nine uh, course called uh, Sycamore Hills. We go out there. I bogey one, bogey two, birdie three, bogey four, birdie five, bogey six and seven, birdie eight, par number nine for a 38. It's incredible. I mean, that's it, right? Yeah, with, without a doubt. It's just, it's one of the... Let me ask you, I, Joey, I would say, yeah, go ahead. Real quick, the difference between the front nine and the back nine, um, and you tell me if I'm right, but this is what I sense. I sense that the front nine, you were trying to make good golf happen, and the back nine, you were letting good golf happen. Is that fair? Yes. Without a doubt. Well, yeah. Hit it right on <laughs> hit it right on the head. 
I was trying to go out there. I was trying to, to beat them. Mm -hmm. And I just, I got out of that mentality. Yeah. I said, let's just go, let's just go play my game. Let me go out there and just hit the shots that I want to hit. And I did that on the back nine and on the third nine afterwards and got into a little disagreement with my father. I wanted to say that I shot a 75, but a two over and one over and didn't win that argument. Had the conversation with Sir Mac and he agrees with my father on that one. <laughs> well, you can't turn it in, right? But you know you did no, it, right? You it's know in you- me. It's in you. And that's one thing that we said. I I have the ability to shoot a 75. Mm -hmm. It's there. Joey, I love love the situation on the ninth hole when you're two over. And you said, I can make eagle. That's a a real thought. You're doing it, right? You've probably done it before and you've made birdies. Yeah. We all think that. But this game is about par. When you, that's, that's the goal on every hole, right? Par. And you surprise yourself sometimes when we do good. We do we don't do good, but if why the average anybody, even the great golfers, par right, par. That's what you're up against. And to be able to recognize that is is so important. And I think there's a lot of guys that are on the verge of being single digit handicaps that are just always, always wanting birdie. And we want birdies, obviously, but this idea of it, they obsess over it, and it the, actually creates problems. The fact that an average single digit handicap has i believe it's one one birdie around i i forget who you guys had on that one time that was breaking down yes yeah saying they have one birdie around on average (laughs) and they're single digit handicaps and the pj corpro i think has three which is why am i going out there trying to hit trying to crush driver to give myself an opportunity to chip it close Let's just, let's just play my game. Let's just hit, let's just hit this drive. Then if I'm 200 yards out, let's, let's pull out, let's pull out a seven iron, try to get it close. And if I don't give, give myself an opportunity to chip it up and make a par putt at the worst case scenario to putt it for, for a bogey and yeah. keep going. Let's try to get the next hole. Yeah. Well, I think Scott- I, don't, I don't stand over any shot anymore. I used to do it all the time. Uh, uh, before a hole, after a bad first shot, or even a good good first shot, and say, "Wow, I, I have an opportunity. I can I can birdie this right now." Let let's just come. Let it come naturally. And that's the mindset I've really gotten into. Like those three holes I birdied on the the third nine, didn't stand over any of those balls and say, "I have to birdie this hole." There we are again. Have to. Never mm-hmm. said that. But let's let's just hit let's just hit this drive in the fairway. Give myself a chance to to hit a good second shot. Well, how many times have we? I mean, there's probably more courses like this in California, just because of the way the courses are here. But there's many times where I've played a par five, where I've got seven iron in, you know, on my second shot, and it's like you put so much pressure on yourself that I have to make birdie here. At least, you I, I've made bogey on that hole yeah. many times, and it goes to the same thing that Scott Fawcett told us on one of our most popular episodes, um, which is birdies are happy accidents. Like I know that you know 
if you're a better golfer, low single digit handicap, you might scoff at that. But again, Joey, you told yourself you wanted to make par and you sunk a 25, 30 footer. We've all sunk a 25 or 30 footer in our life, right? And again, you probably weren't thinking about making that putt. You probably were thinking about, as Dr. Joe says, start it on your line, hit your line, right? So again, that's a very executional thought that is free of the result. Of course, you'll acknowledge that you want to make your result. But again, is that helpful to think about it? So what you're getting good at, Joey, is your awareness is getting to a level where you catch yourself saying things now instead of just reacting and just playing reaction game the whole round. You're starting to notice when your thoughts are unproductive and you're starting to back off and reset and refocus on things that are helpful. And that's huge, right? That's the key to starting to have a good mental game. But the last thing I'll say before I kick it back to you is a lot of people think that like this quote mental game is like so like, oh, I have to, I have to breathe and I have to be really calm and I have to do like have all these meditative thoughts. Well, a lot of times it's just thinking your way through a hole like you did with Cermak when you were on the other fairway. Right? Yeah, some people might call that course management, but what's you, what are you using to manage the course? Your mind. Right? So I I think you're I, I just know this episode's gonna help a lot of people because this is what everyone needs to reach for are these little micro lessons that make big impact. What, absolutely. And what I'll say is when I have that 25, 30 footer, it's not something you guys have ever said, but something I do now is three feet. Let's get to three feet. That's a goal. The last thing I say to myself is, mm. all right, take my deep breath and I'll just say three feet. Mm. Just try to give myself a chance to, to make the, whether it's a par putt or a bogey putt, I don't want to three putt it. Let's just get let's just get this to three feet, easy putt in, and and move on to the next hole. I don't stand over a 35, 40 foot putt and say, I I want to make this. I just let it happen. Yeah. I want to talk about iron play for a second. Ev, you said something. I want to get both of your guys take. Um Ev, you said when you have a seven iron, oftentimes missed a green, right? Maybe getting too aggressive. I have something that's helped me. If I don't if I if I have an eight iron below and the pin is tucked somewhere, I don't go for the pin because an eight iron I can't spin it. A nine iron I can still check it. I mean, you know, but an eight iron I can't. And it's kind of helped with my discipline. And you know, Matt Kucher and Scott Langley on the show talk about center of the greens early in the round. But Joey, you feel like you've become more disciplined and more. I guess conservative, but to big targets on your second shots. Um, that was a big, that was a big help in my game when I used to play in college and high school and things like that. Just putting your ego out the side and say, don't go for that pin over that bunker. Just even if you have 140 yards, 20 feet, right? So I'm looking at my notes right now in my phone from the workshop with, uh, with Dr. Parent and three things I highlighted. Offensive swings to conservative targets, not defensive swing. Fearlessness with full commitment on each shot and give myself 
the best chance to shoot my lowest score on this hole without taking unnecessary risks. Those are three things that I think about on every hole, no matter where I'm at. Um, and like I, I was playing Olympia Fields a couple weeks ago. Great track. Beautiful track. Playing, I mean, those greens are just, the whole course is beautiful, but very challenging track. I had no control over my driver the whole day. Didn't know if it was going left or right. Slice one into par five, slice one into the, um, the trees, find it, punch it out. Probably should have took a penalty, but punched it out, goes across the fairway into a, into a bunker, hit the, hit a five iron out of it, leave it around 30 yards short, chip up, made the 35 foot putt for, for par. (laughs) And the whole time I'm just saying, let's, Let's take, let's take good swings, fully commit on a five iron out of a bunker. Had to fully commit to that shot because if I didn't, who knows where I'd be. A hard shot, yeah. It, it is, but I, I stood over it with a seven iron and I stood over it with a five iron because that's something else you talked about is grabbing each club and whichever one you're more comfortable with, use, hit it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel comfortable with the seven. I felt comfortable with the five, hit it, and... I was playing, I was playing to save double bogey, actually. And next thing you know, I par the hole. I was, I was oh. praying that I could, I could get a bogey on that hole. You and might I, be the first person ever to say I was more comfortable with a five than a seven, but keep going. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, I, I, I know that, but I stood but that's over the day and, and that's how you that's felt. That's the day. Right? Yeah. Good for you. That might be the only time I've ever said <laughs> yeah. that in my life, yeah. but I felt really comfortable with, with it out of there. Um, at that point, I'm laying one, two, two in a bunker. Everyone else's drives are still past me. And I'm saying, all right, let's just, let's just try to save double bogey with these greens right now. And I ended up making the putt. And I was just trying to get it to three feet because the whole day I couldn't. Couldn't even get it to three feet the whole day. The only putt I made all day. But Talk it, it's about just cutting, it's just cutting the, through the heat of the moment and the tension, right? And just... Right, telling yourself that help clear your mind and and do that ne- next shot the best of your abilities without a foggy mind and all that pressure. Right? Yeah, I, I'd say beforehand, I would have looked at that and said, "I'm laying two in this bunker. I have to do something really heroic to to give myself a chance at par." Whether that be something completely idiotic like taking a hybrid out of the the bunker yeah, don't do something that. like and those are thoughts that would have gone through my head beforehand yeah not even not even joking or exaggerating those are thoughts that would have gone through my head and here i just said all right let's let's hit this five iron let's chip up and hopefully save bogey mm-hmm. hopefully not three putt it for a double bogey but next thing you know i read the green well only one i did all day and uh and, and made the par putt well, there's probably even a learning out of the trees too, right? Like a lot of times I, I find that it's easy to get caught up in like, and Sermon, I talked about this when he helped me with my short game a couple years ago. Like I've gotten so caught up in my technique, you know, of trying to hit it solid, like in a punch shot out of the trees that I might actually lose focus and not think about 
well, do I need to hit it as far up as I think I'm trying to, right? Do I need to hit it as solid as I think I need to, or do I need to take a half swing and ensure it doesn't get in that bunker? Just put it maybe even a little bit farther back, but make sure I give myself a shot in the fairway or the first cut of the rough, right? Where you might've found yourself in a moment where, and it's possible it's just a mistake. You didn't know how far out the bunker was. You hit it too good. But those are also moments, you know, that can make an impact as well. So, so I was actually punching that ball backwards too. Oh, interesting. And caught it, caught it a little too good. Uh, I knew I wanted to be on the left side of the fairway because the hole goes to the right and just, just hit it too good and um, too strong, I should say. I didn't get upset. I went off. I just I hit that a little too well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. How can we Still, get mad about hitting it too well? Right. Yeah. Like that's it, what you're trying to do. You just hit it too good. Yeah. And uh, from from there, I never, I was never upset. I just said, "All right, how are we going to play out of this?" Looked at it, looked at my caddy, and I said, "I think it's a five iron." And he's like, "Ah, oh, maybe it's a seven. Try to keep it." Try to keep it around this area. I said, okay, give me both. Give me both clubs. And I stood over each one with, and I just said, I feel more comfortable with the five iron that I, that I committed to when I first walked up here. I hit it well. Actually, it pretty much peered it out of the sand. It was perched up and uh, was able to chip it up and make the pot butt. As soon as I hit, as soon as I hit the drive, sliced it, which is very unusual for me. I said, "This, this is double bogey." Not trying to overplay anything that that I've put myself into. I'm not saying I have to par this. I have to bogey this. Right. All right, be, I'd be happy with a double bogey here. And I know it sounds so ridiculous saying that, but the way those greens were. I couldn't hold, I couldn't hold a single wedge shot onto these greens. They were so difficult. Yeah. And I would, I would go into that. Like yesterday, Kent and I are driving out to, uh, to George Dunn. And he says, I feel good. I said, no, this is a bogey day. It's cold. It's rainy. It's windy. If I get bogey on every hole, I am happy. (laughs) I didn't walk into a single hole saying, I really want to par this. Right. It, it, it's one, and, and for the listener, that's not saying you don't want to make pars. It's just knowing this is going to be a tough day for everybody. And you're, the hand you're dealt today is a little tougher. Let's just have fun with it. Right. And your yeah. acceptance level, I've talked a lot about acceptance, gets to a different place that day and a more healthy place. Setting my expectations lower, I guess, as far as the scores I want to shoot would be higher has really helped to shoot lower score. I, I can't tell, I, I don't walk into any golf course now and say, I think, I think today is going to be the day that I, I'm going to break 80. I'm going to break 80 on this, on this course. I never say that. All right. Yeah. Even at Harborside, windy day, tough, tough, rough conditions. I just give myself the best shot to shoot the lowest score on each hole. Yeah. And do I, do I succeed at that all the time? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely me, not. Ev, would you say Joey's a much happier guy out there? 
I mean, it sounds like it. The oh, funny thing I... is, like, you you don't want to perform any less. You just know that there's a more effective way to get there, right? Like, you might be just as frustrated when you make your miss, but the amount of time that it impacts you is much less. And I want to ask you guys something. I know we only have a few minutes, but I want to ask you guys something. In Chicago, when it's a St. Patrick's Day parade, I'll bring this around. Okay, you'll understand why I'm asking this. Um, Would you get frustrated that there's a shit ton of people? This pre-COVID, shit ton of people. You can't find an Uber. There's a lot of traffic. Are you going in expecting to be able to get around the city easily on that day? No, not at all. Yeah, but that's what we do in golf, right? I made this silly video the other day on Instagram. I don't know if you saw where I was like, if you're lactose intolerant and you eat a lot of dairy, are you going to expect to have a lot of fun that night? If you do, you're a fool, right? You're going to be hurting, right? And the funny thing about it is I feel like one of the main themes from this episode, Joey, is you've learned that golf, we have all heard it, but not many people internalize it and actually practice it. Golf's a game of misses, we know that, but it's also a game of recovery, I think more importantly, because it's less about the miss is kind of the, the negative. The recovery is kind of the opportunity, and it's literally a game where, Joe, you're thinking about those holes and you under the tree, you pitched it up, and you made a 20-foot putt for par. You're going to remember that hole more than fairway green two putt. I mean, those are the holes that have these feelings of triumph, of discipline. You did it, right? You recovered. That's what golf is. Yet so many of us are playing golf with not wanting to recover, which is the game. Well, and before you jump in, Joe, it's like, yeah, your next shot can be your best shot if you can, you know, let go of the previous shot. Mm-hmm. It's really true, right? You're, it could be the best shot you could ever hit, but you have to let go of the previous shot. Right, Joe? Yeah. So well, what I'll say right now is uh, yesterday's round, I mean, tough conditions, didn't play well, wasn't hitting, wasn't hitting my shots the way I wanted. But I, I pulled, a, pulled a driver, and all three of us, me, Kevin, and Kent, are all the same area. Actually, Kevin and Kent are well further up than I am on hole number 16 at George Dunn. Tough, tough hole there. Oh, yeah. Tight tight tee shot. Tight tee. Bunkers all on the left-hand side and up by the green. Tight pin. Pin was in the back left. You have to go over OB right. You have to go over the bunkers from where all three of us were. And the green is maybe, maybe 40 feet, not even, 30 feet wide. So I drive up there. I look at it. It's all going downhill from, from the front of the green. I go back. I look at them. I said, if any of us hold this green, it's going to be a, an amazing shot. Yeah. Miracle. I, I, I go up there with a 60 degree wind at the back, 105 yards out, hit the shot as it's in the air. I said, that's the best I could do. <laughs> I, i'm literally watching it i just that's the best that's the best shot I that's it do. <laughs> no it lands around 
eight feet left of the pin, two feet short, and just trickled, trickled up. Gave myself a 10-foot putt, made the birdie. But <laughs> I stood over, I stood over that shot fully committed that even if I hit this, it's probably gonna go off the green. Yeah. And then I have to chip up and try to save par. But the fact that I was able to hold it, I was amazed. Absolutely amazed. And I said it before, and I said it after I hit the shot that that was the best I could have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Kent, Kent doubled it. Kevin bogeyed it. I parred it. It was a tough hole. And um, those, those are the conversations that I have with myself now is even if I'm fully committed, I know I'm not going to hit it exactly the way I want to 100% of the time, even 50% of the time. But let's, let's just give myself a shot to, to make look, par. Joey, most people forget that hole, if they were you, at the end of the round, they're saying, I can't believe I three-putted. I can't believe I duffed it. I could have shot a 78 instead of an 82. But they forgot about that tough par four that you were disciplined and made a tough par. They forget about the good ones. Um, I've got a really good way, I think, to end today's conversation. Yeah. Okay. Um, Joey, I pulled up your question that you submitted um, to give people context. If you don't know about, if you don't follow us on Instagram or know about our workshop, um, I co-hosted a workshop, mental game workshop with Dr. Joe Parent, one of my heroes who wrote Zen Golf. And um, Doc did his 20 minutes. I did my 20 minutes. And then we did a Q&A for the, the uh, roughly 18 people there. And Joey was one of them. And Joey, I have your question, and I'm going to read your question, and I want you to end today's conversation on maybe what you now know that maybe that guy that asked that question didn't know, and it wasn't that long ago, um, or you know, maybe how you think about that now, okay? So Joey's question was, quote, I feel as if my handicap is much higher than it should be. When I go out to a course, I have high expectations for myself. I usually start off well, and then my game just falls off the track. I like that pun, by the way, for the train. I get very frustrated with bad shots, and it takes a few holes to get back. Although the par train has helped me um, to enjoy golf, no matter what my score is, how do I mentally prepare myself for bad shots that are inevitably going to happen, and how do I move past them and forget about it? Joey, the floor is yours. So what I would say to this individual (laughs) is you have to have a plan going into each hole, each shot. You have to have a plan. Talk to yourself about it. Say, look, here's, here's my myth. If I were to snap hook this, how much trouble am I in? If I'm in that snap hook position, all right, where, what's, how do you get out of it? What's the best way to get out of it with the, the least amount of risk? Is that, is that punching it backwards? Is it hitting on a, on a par four? Is it just being up on the front edge of the green and then chipping up and making the putt instead of, all right, you just snap hooked it. Let's, let's attack the pin now. I'm, I'm in a foot of rough. Let's try to get this on the green. No not stay calm the whole way you double bogey you triple bogey shake it off 
what did you do well that hole? What did you do wrong on that hole? And how do you improve on that going into the next? And I think that's everything that we just spoke about today. That's it. And it's, it's, you're going to have bad shots. I know that. You both know that as well. I mean, Matt's a scratch golfer and I, I've seen him. <laughs> Plenty of terrible shots. shots. <laughs> that, he's, that he's just disappointed over. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's about taking that. Every, every shot's a learning lesson. Ev, you talk about that all the time. That's why you love the game. That's why I love it as well. Every shot's a learning lesson. What did I do wrong there? Or what did I do really well? What did I feel there that I want to take on to the next hole? And yeah. I get out of the mentality of saying, I used to do it all the time. We talk about it. Is I just, I, I'm even through four holes. It's, it's coming. The <laughs> blow pole is coming. Mm-hmm. No. You know what, Joe? It's, it's great. As we close this out, you're having a lot of fun thinking your way around the golf course and treating it like a game, like a game. And I think for all listeners out there today, this is what it's about at any level. If you want to improve, you've got to get to that place. And And if you're okay with me bringing this up, um, we spoke about this off air, but I shot in my mind a 75 that day. I shot an 80, what was it? 84. 84, 30, 38, but I had, I could shoot a 75 if I wanted to. I just don't feel like doing it a lot, <laughs> but I go onto Instagram that night, scrolling, come across the par train and your post says, you're not going to be happy shooting, breaking 70, 80, 90, a hundred. And it's absolutely true. Yeah. I used to think that that would make me so happy. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't mean you shouldn't well, strive it, for it, but it's you're as soon as you do it, you're going to reach for doing it more often, more consistently, shooting lower scores. We're never content. As I said, I shot an 82 with Matt and May, shooting 84 in October. I was so much happier playing that 84 than I was the 82. Mm-hmm. Just because of my mental approach to the game and how much I enjoyed being out there in nature, how much I enjoyed being out there with friends. I wasn't pissed off. I wasn't this person I used to be as far as being extremely disappointed in myself where there's physical reactions to it to the point of wanting to break clubs, wanting to scream, wanting to any of that. And am I saying I'm perfect and I still don't do that? No, I do. Matt saw that at Harborside that day when I missed a four foot putt for birdie. Still got, got a personality, Joe. You know, you still got, you still got it. It's okay. You know, I got off the green. I screamed on the next shot. I let it go fully committed to hitting it 300 yards over the water. Here we go. Fully send, committed. Send it. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. Yeah. Um, but guys, this is, uh, this has been great. Um, really appreciate you. You guys having me on here. I, 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 Try to introduce this to everyone. I know that's a golfer. And, and those who aren't, uh, shout out to Andy Weaver. I know he listens now. Yeah. Not even a golfer. A big supporter and telling his son. We love Andy. Shout out to you. But, but yeah, absolutely. But uh, this, is, this is just 
the first steps for me as far as the mental approach goes and enjoying the game more. Um, but just just want to say thank you guys to, to everything that you do and post. And I know you guys are taking out hours of your life to try to help us average golfers enjoy the game more. And that's exactly that's exactly what how I feel. Well, that means a Joe. lot, Joe. We're we're happy that you got to hop aboard, and I'm sure you helped inspire a lot of other people. I I think I'll end on this, Serm. I think I'll I like to remind myself of this a lot. That look, it's easy to get upset after a shot that didn't match your expectations. It's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to talk down to yourself, right? But all it takes is one extra step. It's hard. To let it brush off it's hard to focus on what you learned it's hard to be um calm under pressure or it, it's hard to be positive in a challenging situation but that's the practice right that's why i love golf and hopefully joe you're starting to see that a little bit in your life too and that's more important but i mean that's what i would it, it, it really has it really has helped calm me down at work i mean things happen at work that you don't expect but it's it's not about, all right, maybe I messed this up or maybe this happened. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's not get overly frustrated about it. Let's enjoy it. And the one thing I'll say that on the first episode I listened to, you spoke about, Ev, sorry to keep going over, but uh, no, no, we're good. You said on your scorecard, as you're playing your round, I want you to put a dot every time you say something negative to yourself. I remember that. I went out there playing Sydney, my least favorite course ever. I, the course just eats me up, getting better at it now. But I, two on the first hole, three on the second, one on hole number three. And I just, what, what am I doing to myself? I'm saying things to myself that if I said to Matt, Matt would never talk to me again. And why, why am I talking to myself that way? Because I'm upset about this? Would I ever talk to any of my friends or anyone I know a stranger that way? Absolutely not. So why am I saying it to myself? And that yeah. really got me. I recommend that every golfer does that. Yeah. Every time you say, God damn, every time you say, what the hell was that? Put, put, a, put a little dot on your scorecard and see how quickly those add up. And yeah. try to cut those out first. Love it. Because that's, that's where I had to come from is to cut Love those it. out in order to enjoy the game more and, and shoot better scores. Love it. Well, the last thing I'll say, I know I've said that multiple times, <laughs> but you keep inspiring me, Joe. The last thing I'll say is, uh, like, Joey, you said something unexpected happens at work, right? Um, you might have intended to hit the fairway. Maybe now you're behind a tree. I made a video a couple months ago about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and how they outlawed the dunk when he played in college because he was so dominant, right? And that was an unexpected thing to happen, right? Think about that. You're overpowering everyone, and suddenly they change the rule on you. You'd be pretty pissed, right? But what did he do? He learned the skyhook. And then guess what he was known for in the NBA that nobody else did was the skyhook. So next time you have an unexpected thing happen, it might be leading you to where you need to be, and it might be an opportunity to learn your next best shot or next best skill, 
like getting really good at punching out under the trees where you could put it in front of the green every time or getting really good at sand shots or getting really good at bump and runs. You know, it's an opportunity to get better at something um, versus just piss that it didn't go your way. Yeah. Right. To think, so. to think creatively because that's what golf's about. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I used to go out there and crumble on the golf course, uh, especially my father's four handicap used to go out there, hit a few bad shots and I would crumble under the pressure. And now I want him to know, Tony bomb, I'm coming after you <laughs> next season. Here we go. Here we go. I'm gonna dedicate, that's a, that's a send I'm going right <laughs> to dedicate the win to the par train and everything that they've done for me. Love, Love it. it. Well, Joey, thank you again for hopping aboard. And um, we look forward to checking in and hearing how you're doing. And we can continue. Maybe have you, have you back sometime next year. Yeah. See how you're doing. A lot of, Joey and I will be doing a lot of winter prep. You know, and we got cold weather here. We're not in LA. We got to go indoors. Got to get on the simulator. So it's going to be 80 this lots weekend. Of good, yeah. Crazy. Lots of good stuff coming. Yeah. Ev, how many times have you golfed in 45 degree weather in, uh, in LA? Oh, rainy um, he doesn't win i think i think it's supposed to blow the rain. <laughs> do i mean win. you're talking you're talking you're you're putting on eight layers of clothes for uh, it's, a round would, in 60 degree weather was well, that not tough to listen to that episode that was much. so bad to listen to <laughs> that was so much. bad to four listen to. i will do four <laughs> four layers not eight okay let's but it does get under 50 <laughs> degrees here in the mornings and you know it's, it's it's chilly, but okay. I battle through it. Yeah, you're you're tough. So, all right. Well, Joe, thanks thanks for coming on. This was awesome. We'll talk to you hey soon, guys, Joe. Thank you. Take care. Absolutely.